The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the second edition of The Chris Sheeran Show for this week. Yes, this is what we're doing from here on out, twice a week, two times the Lou, two times the Chris, four times the fun. I wasn't good at math. Anyway, it's Lou DiPietro, yes. That's why neither of us won Powerball, and we're still doing this podcast today. Yeah, pretty much. I, I wanted to, if we won, and it's at Chris Sheeran, yes, on Twitter, too. If I won, I was going to create the Chris Sheeran Podcast Network, and I was just going to hire all my friends to do different types of shows, not just sports, but like entertainment, you know, just all down the line. We could compete with, like, um, what's that big group that... Can't think of the name now. I'm drawing a blank. But there's a group like that. It's like a podcast network that has all kinds of stuff on there. I'll, it'll come to me eventually. I don't know. Yeah, it'll come to me eventually. I'm drawing a blank. But well, Anthony Cumia has his own network now, and he he he's doing his thing. Um, he has a ton of his friends on it. But you know, he had the means to do that. He made millions of dollars at Sirius. Um, I am not making millions of dollars, <laughs> so uh, that's why. Powerball was kind of needed. If Sirius uh, wants to pay us millions of dollars, I'm willing to listen, but yes. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. So what you got here is you got a, uh, oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, fire goal. Um, You know, I did not know until the other day, and this was read on Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt. Okay. But the movie Fargo was loosely based on, in part, on the the murder that happened up in uh, Newtown years ago where the guy put his wife through the wood chipper in the lake. I have never you heard You don't know the story? No. So, story time. So, up in Newtown, Connecticut, um, about half an hour, 40 minutes from here is the crow fly, mm-hmm. and the next town over from where I live now, uh, this guy... Unfortunately, I think we all know where Newtown is. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think of that. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> this guy um, was finally arrested and tried and multiple times and put in prison and he's not eligible for parole until 2021 this happened in like 1985 i think eligible for parole in 2021 after putting his wife through a wood chipper yeah as the story goes he he murdered his wife um like cut up her body with a chainsaw rented a wood chipper and put it through put her body through a wood chipper and dumped her remains in the lake yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Hi, but everybody. The movie <laughs> apparently, like the plot of the movie Fargo, is part in part loosely based on that that whole thing. So let's see. How do we segue from putting your wife through a wood chipper to the Giants? Um, uh, well, <laughs> well, they there put is Tom no Coughlin. They put Tom Coughlin through a wood chipper, I guess, on his way out, uh, and he's close to signing with the Eagles now. Apparently, I just read a report before we went on the air that now he's withdrawing his name. So I, really? I don't know what to think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. I'd be with okay that. with it. But we do know that uh, Ben McAdoo will be the next head coach of the New York Giants, and that is something I have been trumpeting uh, for the past I don't know week and a half since Coughlin went you know stepped aside and left uh, because it makes the most sense. It's the most logical move, and there are tears of ways that I could explain this to you. And that's what I'll do right now because there's a lot of vitriol on Twitter, as expected. Why are you going to keep the same staff? They only won six games. Why not keep Coughlin around? Okay, let's, let's take it one by one. Let's take Tom Coughlin as the first thing here. Coughlin was here for 12 years. Great coach. I hate the fact that he left, but let's face facts. He's 69 years old. You're not giving him a five-year deal to remain the coach of the Giants. You're just not doing it. And... You might scream at me and say, well, you shouldn't be uh, saying that because of his age. Well, tough. I am. Just deal with it. That's number one. You're not giving this guy a five-year deal. So if you kept him around, it was minimal at best that he was going to stay with this team. Minimal. Maybe give him another one-year deal. Uh, You extend him a year, so next year he's not a lame duck. They could have done that. I could have seen them doing that, but they didn't. Okay, so Coughlin's out of the way. Now let's take McAdoo. Eli Manning, the offensive line, which started to gel towards the end of the season. Rashad Jennings, when they took away that running back by committee, Rashad Jennings started to flourish. The offensive line started to come together. The five guys that were out there started to play well. 
and he flourished. I'm not saying he was a hundred yard back every week, but he was able to work some magic and get some yards on the ground, establish a running game that only helps Eli Manning out. Okay, so the offensive line and Eli Manning don't have to learn a new offense. That's big. <laughs> That's huge. All the calls are the same. The OC is going to be Joe Philbin. Philbin and McCarthy were in Green Bay together, and I'm pretty sure they went to a Super Bowl together under McCarthy. Am I right or wrong? They did. Okay. So we have that going for us, which is nice. Nothing changes. Then there's Spagnolo, who's staying. I'm going to sound like a parrot, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah, the defense was not his fault. The defense is not his fault. Give him the personnel. When he has the personnel, his system worked. It worked with the Eagles. It worked with the Giants. And the Rams did have a pretty decent defense when he was he their did. head coach, even though they were a terrible team. Well, it's Sam Bradford, a quarterback, let's not oh. forget. Where have I seen that before? Aging Steven Jackson at running back, who's probably going to win a Super Bowl with the Patriots this year. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but back to Spagnolo. They were the 32nd-ranked defense. That's what everyone on Twitter wants to throw out there when I say this team was almost an 11-12 to 12 win team. 75 seconds. Lou and I brought it up. It was a Bleacher Report that, that did that? or Yeah, I forget who it was. but yeah, we, I want to give credit. Did. It wasn't us. It was, it was Bleacher Report. 75 seconds left in the game. The Giants had the lead in five games. I throw in the Eagle game, the last game of the season, because they could have won that. They could have. They lost 35-30, and if they had any kind of defense that played any kind of defense in that game. They weren't ahead in the last two minutes, but they were ahead they in the second half. They were, 28-27. Yeah. They took the lead late. Okay, so, 32nd-ranked defense. And I got laughed at for saying that, for saying what I'm about to say. Almost was on an 11-12 win team. If they had five stops in them, that would be the case. Let, let me just highlight one of these games for you. I want to go back to the Patriots game. They were still undefeated at the time. Mm -hmm. Giants take the lead on a field goal. And when they kicked the field goal, I think it was 26-24, they went up. I knew in my heart, because of the way the season was going, that there was no way, no way they were going to win that game with Tom Brady behind center and that defense out there trying to stop them on that last drive. No way. You could talk all you want about clock management, whatever, and the play calling that was you know, inside the, the four on a first and goal. Fine. You had the lead, 26-24. Stop Brady on first and 10 at the 20. Stop Brady second and 10 at the 20. Stop Brady on third and 10 at the 20. And on second and 10 at the 20, our rookie safety, Landon Collins, had an interception go right through a bucket catch. That's how close the Giants were. Now, you could blame the play calling, but how about Butterfingers McGee? Collins, you got to make that play. That's not, on, that's not on the coaches. That's on the player. And I'm sorry, he, you know, he was decent this year. He was. He's a rookie, fine. But make the catch, make the play. That's what makes a good or mediocre team, a better team, and a playoff team. Giants didn't make those plays. What happens? Fourth and 10? Ah, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Amendola. He got 11, or maybe 10 and a half. And you know the rest. Goskowski comes out, boom, game over. Patriots win. I have no issue with Spagnola staying. They have $50 million of cap space. Go out. Retool the defense through the draft and free agency. Maybe you bring in another old lineman, a veteran who could gel with this current group. Give this staff another chance because this staff squeezed the you-know-what out of these guys as much as they could on a weekly basis. Was the coaching staff maybe responsible at some points? I'm going to say yes. Sure. They deserve some of the blame. They're never unculpable. No, I'm not releasing them from culpability. Not in the least. But this coaching staff, with Tom Coughlin as the head of the snake, was fine. And I would have no problem with him coming back. And you know what? Jerry Reese, you have all this cap space. 
you have another draft to work, get us back to respectability because the owner says the Giants aren't respectable because of what's happened in the last three years and haven't made the playoffs in the last five, correct? It's true, 2011. Now the other tier, the last thing, Lou and I, our brains must have been locked at his cube because I was about to tell him, you know, what angles I was going to take. And as I, my mouth was opening, he was saying it. So why don't you take that? Before I do, let me just, this retweeted from our friend of the program, Patricia Trainer that apparently now the Giants will promote QB coach Mike Sullivan to offensive coordinator and have Joe Philbin with a different title within the organization. Assistant head coach is a possibility. So there's that. Either way, it's still all, everything you said is still 100% true. What I said was this, and you referenced the Jets situation as I was talking about this, so I'll, I'll reference that too. This is, as you put it, the best of both worlds for ownership. By promoting Ben McAdoo, bringing in a new offensive coordinator or promoting Sullivan or however they do this, gives them one year to analyze Jerry Reese of all people. Not much is going to change, you would expect. They're not going to have to learn a new offense. McAdoo's probably going to do exactly what he did. You know, whether it's Philbin or, especially if it's Sullivan, but whether it's Philbin or not, you know, chances are things are going to remain pretty status quo. The difference is instead of a lame duck coach, you have a, a new coach. However. That could cement himself. That could cement himself. However, this is now going to fall on Jerry Reese as a GM. Because what I see and what you see is very possibly something we talked about in this, in, if the Giants made this move a few weeks ago, is what free agents may see. This could be a one-year placation move to say, all right, we're not going to change anything. We had to get rid of Tom Coughlin, for lack of a better way to put that, but we're going to keep everything else in place. Now it's on Jerry to go out and get talent. And if this thing blows up again next year, you hit the reset button and everybody's fired. So if you're a free agent, despite all that cap space, where you gotta, where's the hard sell? That's a tough sell. To bring them in. And say, look, you know. I think they keep that from them. <laughs> outside of <laughs> like the right. truth. But I, I don't mean, think that's on the top page I don't think of their recruit statement. That's not exactly the cover of the dossier, <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but if you're looking at it that way, you're like, you know, what is there, nine teams with new head coaches? I mean, the Browns are going in a new direction for the 15th time in 25 years. The, uh, the 49ers, the Eagles, the, the Titans with whoever ends up there, whoever ends up in Tampa. There's a lot of organizations that are either just making a change and there's still a handful of second or third year head coaches out there as well um, that, are, that are getting their feet wet and doing, you know, doing their new thing. Um, so that said, this again is on Jerry Reese. You mentioned the Jets and just to refresh everybody on the speed of that, what you didn't want is what happened with the, Tannenbaum, Idzik, McCagnin, Rex Ryan, love quadrangle, where the GM <laughs> got fired, kept the staff because he had a lame duck coach. I don't think anyone in any other podcast would use quadrangle. Quadrangle? I just had to throw that Parallel in. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You know, they, they, Tannenbaum leaves. They bring in Idzik, the cap master. He does what he does poorly, sets them up with all this space. The Jets tank. Rex goes. Idzik goes. Everybody goes. In comes McCagnin and Bowles. They win 10 games, nearly make the playoffs, and make great use of that cap space with Brandon Marshall and other players, and a good, a shrewd drafting of the best player available in Leonard Williams, despite the fact that they already had a pretty damn good defensive line, and so on and so on and so on. Now, maybe that'll happen for the Giants this year. The $50 million in cap space will bring in free agents, things will get better, you know, and who knows what the next chapter will be. Eli is also in his 30s now. Right. So you have to also start looking towards the future there. But for now, there's a very quick window with this team to win before they have to retool. Not necessarily rebuild, but retool. And that's what this year kind of is. Starts to do. This is pouring the cement. That's how giant fans have to look at this. The building, although it's not entirely knocked to the ground, the foundation still there, but you still need a layer of cement. And that's what this year is. 
pouring another layer of cement into the foundation and starting to build up again. They broke it open and found the leak yeah. in the plumbing, fixed it, and now here we go. And McAdoo, who's 38 years old, uh, I'm sure that ownership sees him as they wouldn't have given him the job if they didn't think he could handle it, if they didn't think he could handle the co- head coaching responsibilities. By bringing in Philbin or promoting Sullivan, uh, I, I think it's the same. It's still the same offense. Nothing is going to change. change. It's just a, it's a, it's almost like a, you know, we talk about it in terms of you look at the, what the Nets did with Tony Brown, how not much is going to change because it's going to be the same everything, you know. Like yeah, we went through change. that Monday with right. Devin or Tuesday with Devin. Right. It's going to be that magnified here because really it's one spot, you know. McAdoo's taking over for Coughlin. It's it's almost it's not an obviously not an interim coach situation, but it's almost a situation like that where nothing's really going to change. The new boss is just a new boss. It's the same system. I I just want to I want to give a big firm pat on the back to Giants ownership because this was definitely the right call. The Maras and the Tishes aren't dummies. You know they vetted McAdoo. They're going to surround him with guys. That Noah's system, Philbin and Sullivan, they're going to set them up to succeed. As we mentioned, they got all the cap space. Jerry Reese was probably read the riot act. We know he's still here, but don't think there was a closed door meeting where he wasn't read the riot act because he was. They're not letting him off scot-free. The owner doesn't get up to a podium and a microphone and say, we've Mm -hmm. lost our respectability. This is a team that's been around since 1920 freaking five. He's not saying that that his father built nope. with his bare hands. No, but with Ernie Acorsi long gone from the system and Dave Gettleman now in Carolina and all everything that's built that era, it's, it's pretty much the Jerry Reese show now. So like I always said with Chip Kelly, you can't be the one that's in charge of the groceries and serve me a poop sandwich because if he serves up another one, he's going to be serving poop sandwiches somewhere else. Or he's going to be serving up poop sandwiches at his own house. Yeah. He's not going to have a job. Yeah. I mean, this you have to be a shrewd GM. With this much space, you know, everybody, oh, yeah, we could get. You have to make shrewd moves. You have to get guys. In, I don't know if you saw the, and I'm not saying it just because I was in it, because I was in it for like 10, 20 seconds total. But the Jersey guys, when Parcells came here, and he wasn't a ballyhooed hire when he got the job. Not in the 80s. He no. moved from the coordinator to the head coaching position. He needed Jersey guy. He needed guys in a mold that were going to go out there and do whatever it took to win. And that's what he surrounded himself with. And that's what Reese has to do now. McAdoo and Reese with this draft, with free agency, the whole staff, they need to bring in guys. I'm not saying you're going to find the next Lawrence Taylor. He might be out there somewhere, but chances more likely you're not going to find that guy, that talent level, but you could find a guy with that heart. Maybe not have the same talent level, but his heart will equal it. Those are the guys you need on your squad. This is this is the name I'm going to throw out there, and it's a New England Patriot, but you'll understand exactly what I mean the minute I say it. They need a couple of Mike Vrabels. Yeah, right. That guy would run through a cement wall to win a football game. Mm-hmm. He will do anything. Yep. Touchdown passes. He's catching touchdowns. He's playing special teams. He's on defense. There's there There's... A lot of room for guys like that on your roster. And not only do you need to be a shrewd GM, but we talked last last week mm-hmm. um, about the lack of hits in the later rounds of the draft for Jerry Reese and the Giants in, you know, in the Coughlin era. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll bring up the Patriots. Like, we always talk about how their system is what it works, and it's Belichick and it's Brady. But, I mean, they don't always have the best offensive weapon. Steven Jackson was done. And they brought him up there, and he had a pretty decent game in Week 17. And, um, you know, he didn't exactly light the world on fire, but he had a touchdown in 30 yards. Yeah. A decent fantasy game. And Bill Belichick has proven he could Lazarus someone You, you take those guys, and that's great. You can take all those guys and the Deion Lewis's of the world and the Brandon LaFell's and those guys like that, scrap heap guys. But what they've also done up there that people forget about is, you know, look at a guy like Rob Ninkovich who was one of their draft picks. Mm -hmm. Look at Gerard Mayo, who was not, you know, necessarily a first round talent 
or might have been a first-round talent that dropped, or however the situations play out for these guys. Rob Gronkowski was not supposed to be the second coming of Kellen Winslow when he was Whoa. drafted, which is why they also drafted Aaron Hernandez. Right. You know, they, they, they figured we'll go out and get a bunch of guys and see what works. And, and now, Rob Gronkowski's turned into, all, you know, arguably the biggest weapon in the NFL. And Hernandez is on the mean machine, but that's neither here nor there. Right. But... You know, and, and uh, to be fair, Aaron Hernandez looked like he was going to be a pretty decent NFL player um, before all of that happened. Extremely big yeah. NFL player. So, again, all these great – it's great scouting in addition to great general managing. And, you know, you find gems every once in a while. I'm sure the Seahawks are not too upset they, they waited on the fourth round to Tyler Lockett at this point. But you've got to find those more often than not. And, and the Giants and Jerry Reese have not done that. And that goes back to the third through seventh round. There's no talent. Right. That was the most asinine thing you could say. Right. And we're not going to go through the draft picks again. We did that already, but that's exactly that's exactly what he said. And he's not going to get that same leeway right. this time around. You and he at, shouldn't. You look at the eight starting quarterbacks who are going to be playing this weekend. Seven of them were first-round picks. And Tom Brady was Three a, of them, I believe, were number one overall. And Tom Brady, Tom Brady was, was 199. Six. He was six. Was it, is it three of them that were number one overall? Cam, Cam Newton was the number one pick, Alex correct? Smith, Cam Newton. Uh, and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's not and bad. And Carson Palmer. Carson, Carson Palmer. Palmer was the number one overall. There's four that are number Aaron Rodgers wasn't a number one. Four number one overall picks. Rodgers was 24 because that was that bizarre year where, you know, for some reason he dropped all the way to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Brady was your sixth round pick. Big Ben was like number 11 mm-hmm. because he was in the draft with Eli and Rivers. So he was the third quarterback picked out of that. And who are we leaving out? Pittsburgh. New Russell Man- Wilson. Yeah, he was Russell a third Wilson. round pick. That's a perfect segue to talk about the divisional round. It is. Look at you. How about that? Where do you want to start? Well, I think we've got to start with, we've got to start with the elephant in the room part two, at okay. least in my mind. I understand the NFL cannot placate every team every week. There is no excuse for Seattle to be playing their second consecutive 10 a.m. Eastern time game or 10 a.m. Western time game on the road in the playoffs. There's just no excuse for that. Yeah, but that's that's good for fans. I mean, you're all out of bed. You're watching football. Well, it's good for fans. It's fine. But I'm saying for the team... That's just not optimal. Hey, you know what? Don't be the sixth seed. Don't I be un- the sixth seed. I understand that. Win your division. Then you're not going to be playing 10 a.m. games. I understand that, but Arizona has the primetime game because that way it's... They it's, won the division. It's dinner time in, in, in Arizona on Saturday night. There you, and they won the division. Let's not they forget that. They did win the division, yes. The, this, it could have been scheduled a little better to be a little bit more... Fair is not the right word because life isn't fair, but you know what I mean. I I know what you mean, and I know where you're coming from, but I guarantee you right now if Seattle loses, you're not going to hear one guy in that locker room say we played, you know, 10 a.m. our time. No, I know. Uh, I I understand. But I get where you're coming from from the NFL standpoint. I do. In a way, you know, you play all these games, you scratch, claw, and watch – Blair Walsh missed a 27-yard yeah, chip it, shot. It didn't matter if they played that game at, at 10 a.m. Or, or 4 a.m. It was still going to be zero degrees. Yeah. When, when the temperature goes up to zero, yeah. I, <laughs> you know you have some issues. The announcer even says, like, we've reached zero. Yes. Like, it was great. It was negative six. It heated up to zero. And they also, that field, because the Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, also the same canned footage for the Sitcom coach. Got to be able to break through the ground with those gophers. Uh, <laughs> they have the field heated. Yes, they, they showed that on NBC yeah. as well. Can Which, you imagine if they didn't? Players oh, would break like the Terminator. Jesus. <laughs> it was just great. My wife was watching the game. She's like, you can see all their breath. Look at it. And like every time, like yeah. it was just this big like. Yes, like one after another. It was great. I wouldn't brush my teeth for a week oh. if I was an offensive lineman. And I'd eat tuna all week long. Tuna, onions, and capers. Tuna, onions, and capers with sweet, with like s- sweet mustard. Yes, all week. Oh. <sighs> hey, get smells like advan- a dirty diaper get full any of Indian food. You can. Didn't you ever see Little Giants? Yeah. It'll be. It'll smell like everything that Sex Panther smells like in Anchorman. Sixty <laughs> percent of the time, it, it works, works every, every time. time. <laughs> 
that that I think th- that I honestly think is going to be the game of the weekend. Panthers Seahawks. Right. See, notice how Denver's not playing. Denver got uh, their late time slot, and Arizona got their late time slot, and Seattle's getting shifted all over the place. It's a little weird. Anyway, that I think is going to be the game of the week because you had to know going in last week that game was going to be what it was just based on the temperature. And you you look at the way Russell Wilson threw some of those balls in the in the first half. Mm-hmm. That just they they got in. It was almost like they were playing in Denver, and they just floated through the thin air because it was so cold. Yeah, it was unbelievably cold. And and another thing, I mean, you can't help it. I mean, next year you would have been in a dome. But another thing is, and a lot of people bring this up. And while I love old time, old school football like that, you could look at the time the same way as you look at the the weather. Like, here they are, two teams that have, you know, the Vikings win their division for the first time since 2009. I mean, it's their home field, so they have nothing to say. But at the same time, it's so cold that wouldn't you rather that game be played in maybe 60 or higher and both teams are comfortable in playing that game? Well, that's that game right there, along with the, the game where Tom Coughlin's face turned red to purple in Green, Green Bay. Bay in the NFC Championship game, or you know the Ice Bowl, or the, the one they talked about multiple times on the NBC broadcast where Chris Collinsworth played in with the Bengals, where the wind chill was like minus 50 at Riverfront. Those are the kind of games that are the argument for why Super Bowls have never been in Except the New York one. Cold weather cities reasons, that don't yeah. have domes other than New York. And it was over 40 that, yeah, day, that day. It we, we had a, a lucky mild mm-hmm. mild stretch that week. But you don't want to see that prized game have it come down to something with exactly, the weather. Exactly, because realistically, let's talk about this. I mean, Minnesota is not, exactly not exactly the greatest show on turf. No. Okay? Seat- no, 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 no. That's Se- not what I was Seattle's saying. Seattle's not either. No. Um, Although the last few weeks, once Marshawn Lynch and then Thomas Rawls went out, they've been they've been clicking, and Doug Baldwin has turned into Randy Moss all mm-hmm. of a sudden. But go figure. That that said, that game was better than ten nine. No, I it mean was. that game was better than that game was better than three field goals, where two of which were set up. It absolutely was. You know where where they they started inside Seattle territory and Seattle got a field goal. was in there at the beginning of December and won thirty eight to seven. Yeah, when it was twenty degrees, and they barely scored. 10 points. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, what's your prediction for this one? I, I don't know if the week off is going to hurt Carolina. I, I think it's going to be the best game of the week simply because Seattle's offense minus... Sunday at 1. Yeah. Minus last week has been rolling for a month and a half now, and Carolina's got the best defense in the league. Yeah. So, it's, it's you know, the immovable force, irresistible, or irresistible force, immovable object. Dave Gettleman. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just had it clear my throat. And then when I look at the other three games, I mean, Arizona versus Green Bay is going to be, who knows? 49ers just hired Chip Kelly. <sighs> I just thought I'd throw that out Good there. Good for them. Uh, I would, this is my advice for those of you watching Arizona <laughs> Green Bay. Take the over. <laughs> and take the over hard. Uh-huh. And then the two AFC games, I mean, it, it's all it's injuries in, this, in the, the Steelers Denver game is all about who's most healthy, realistically. Plus, it may be like four degrees in Denver playing at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, One o'clock, which is two o'clock there, but still. Uh, And then on the other side, I mean, well, it's New England. So, (laughs) you know, like. And I'd love to see the Chiefs go into Foxborough and win that game. But in my eyes, the AFC championship game is uh, Pittsburgh at New England. Yeah, I can see that. I, I hope Roethlisberger's shoulder's okay. Well, it also depends on how how functional D'Angelo Williams is. That too. But on the other side, you've got Peyton Manning, who's played. And you know, can Antonio Brown play? Yeah, yeah, it depends. On the other side, though, you've got Peyton Manning, who's played twenty five minutes of football over the last two months. Yeah, he's had two weeks to get back into rhythm, but who knows? And then you know, Brock Osweiler is. He went from being the heir apparent to this guy's a game manager in six yeah. weeks. I mean, he pretty much proved that. that. That's a coin flip. It really is. That game's a coin flip. But I'm going to go Pittsburgh. I just have a gut feeling about the Steelers. They, you know, Destiny got them in with the Jets losing to the Bills. They had that wild comeback win in Cincinnati. It just feels like something's going on with them. Maybe they eke out another close one in I'm, Denver. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Pittsburgh at New England and Seattle at Arizona as their championship games. Yeah, I'm going picks. the same way. I'm going the same way. Just. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina wins. I'm not saying I don't think they can, but the way that team has played all year, some of the games they've played, I mean, they're one of the games that if the Giants' defense wasn't the worst defense in the league and possibly even lower if you count CFL teams, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, that may have been their first loss of the season. And, and Atlanta, which started 5-0 and and, and f- fell off the cliff, picked themselves Big up. time. Picked themselves up and jumped off another one mm-hmm. late in the season is the team that actually beat them. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Stewart has missed the last few games, and he should be back. But, again, you never know, especially with a foot injury. I mean, Seattle's, who Hey, Seattle's defense is no joke. Seattle's defense is no joke. Russell and Wilson no has joke. been there before. And if the Giants can put up 35 on Carolina, what yeah. could Seattle Why do can't if, if Seattle they get the right matchups? At, in 60-degree temperatures. or I think it was 40 or 60, something like it's that. It's going to be a lot warmer in Charlotte than it was yes, in Minneapolis. Correct. I can tell you that much. I, I, before I forget. I think that applies all the time. But you, still. you brought up that Green Bay Giants game. And I've been on this earth for 42 years. Thank you, God. So far. And one of my favorite sports moments in my life, after Tynes hits that field goal, Steve Weatherford, who the previous year, I think, lost the AFC title game with the Jets in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. He was the holder on that kick. There is a tight shot. Of him from the low other end zone angle, ripping his helmet off and saying, I'm going to the expletive Super Bowl. (laughs) That was one of the best shots. I mean, slow-mo, Fox did the game. Whoever was on that camera should win an award. It just sticks with me. Sticks with I follow him on on uh, on Twitter too. He's he's a good follow. He's decent. That was yeah, that that would have been because that was 2011. So 2010 would have been the second Sanchez playoff, so that would have been, yeah. Jets, Colts. Yeah. That was the year that the Jets won won two games. They really, nobody thought they had any business winning, including one in San Diego. Yeah. To get to Indianapolis. And they were winning at halftime, were they not? They were. They were. They didn't. They they put the clamp. Schottenheimer put the clamps on Sanchez in the second half. They didn't let. They didn't let him throw. Uh, They went to that ground and pound nonsense, and you know you can't do that and try to play that way when you have Peyton Manning on the other. As soon as the Colts got that lead and you just try to ground and pound and, mm-hmm. and couldn't get anything going on the ground, if you're stacking eight, nine guys in the box and daring Mark Sanchez to beat you with the lead, you're not winning that game. Not in that situation. And all you got to do is make sure that Hank Basket doesn't drop an onside kick. Oh, boy. How about the uh, – still? Ha- he's, his life still turned out pretty well, no? Yeah. I mean, Playboy Bunny. Considered. Yeah. Are they still together? I don't know. I don't think so. He was a Philadelphia Eagle for a point in time, too. She is One of the cavalcade of bad wide receivers in the Donovan McNabb era. She is extremely attractive. She is also extremely terrible at life if you watch anything she does. I don't. But I was going to say, Oof. my wife used to watch her show. Yeah. Um, she was on Worst Cooks in America if, Celebrity Edition if, or something recently. If I had to listen to her laugh yeah. for more than 10 seconds, I would rip my eardrums out. Just remember what they say, Chris. Behind every really attractive woman like that, there's a guy who's tired of her. <laughs> so, I mean. My, my, my best friend Mike says that all the time. It's like people say, oh, you must have the greatest job in the world. It's like, I, I, yeah, I love my job. But there's days like any other where it's a, it's a job that you're just like, oh. Everybody job. has it's that. It's a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. The only people whose jobs aren't like that are the people who don't really have jobs. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I'd rather be doing this than digging ditches. Yeah, I'm sure Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. And, well, Danny, uh, the world needs ditch diggers too. Caddyshack. Yeah, Orange Jay and Silent Bob was like, the world wouldn't be perfect because nobody would dig ditches or shovel poop if everybody had their way. You know what? Before we go, because we've reached our magic half hour, uh, Alan Rickman. Uh, yeah. That is, t- I mean, they're dropping like flies. I did not. I am not a Harry Potter guy. So, I'm not either. So I did not realize that he was a major I part knew he of was, that series. I knew he was in it, but I, I've never seen a film or read a book. Well, that's what I'm saying. You could have told me, oh, he was character so-and-so. And I'd be like, oh, okay, great. I know Harry Potter and Hermione, so the rest of them are like yeah, just I, there. I, I don't know. But uh, So yeah. apparently Severus Snape is a pretty big, I guess. Pretty big character. Um, my wife would probably be able to tell me more about that. She loves Harry Potter. But not only that, but Die Hard. <laughs> 
Uh, he Hans Gruber. The vo- he's one of the voices in Dogma. I mean, like he's everywhere. He's, he's one of the characters in yeah. Dogma. Well, he's the voice. Yes, he's the voice of God. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I forgot. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alanis Morissette is God. Yes. That was. Let me talk about Kevin Smith. That's my least favorite Kevin Smith movie, but even I really? still do that. Yeah. Well, never, never a big fan of that one. I don't know why. Kevin, uh, I follow you on Twitter. We talk sometimes here and there, back and forth, because I love his comedy. I always have. He's from Jersey, too. He grew up in the shadow of the Kevin Smith world. Like Jim Norton said, uh, he, you have the right zip code. <laughs> Uh, you're from Jersey and people from Jersey, it's like that. And if you're listening to this and you live in Jersey, you know what I'm talking about. We stick together. Uh, that state is just like one big family. And if somebody's from there, you take a lot of pride in the fact that they're from there. But and anyway. your governor actually had to be there for the state of the state address. So How about he that? actually showed up in New Jersey. He did. Us. How about that? How about that? Hello. Hello. <laughs> but, uh, Kevin, if you're listening, that is one of my favorite movies that, that you've done. Um, George Carlin as the priest in it. Uh, I mean, that just drove me nuts. The Buddy Christ. And look, I, I grew up Catholic. You know, I'm still Catholic. Uh, I'm not a practicing one. I don't go to church. I should, whatever. Sorry, Mom. But, you know, it, if you haven't... Oh, the thing I've learned growing up, not to get too stupid here, but the thing I've learned growing up is to have an open mind about everything. And if somebody's an atheist, you respect their beliefs yeah. or their lack that, thereof. That could also – my lack of, of religious upbringing could also be why dogma is not really – But they were, they were poking holes in it. Exactly. But that – you know what I mean? Like you can identify with things that maybe I can't. Chris Rock had one of the best performances in my opinion in his career. He, he would probably disagree with that. And I still haven't seen his latest one yet, which I need to. The one that was just out and I forget the – Oh, Yeah. Dang it, I forget the name of it. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. But I'm I, so old and out of touch. I, I, have, woods. I have to see that one. But Chris Rock was tremendous. Uh, he was an apostle. Um, one of the best <laughs> You knew Christ? Knew him. He owes me 12 bucks. <laughs> I, I, I amuse myself. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were in this. They were bad angels trying you, to get back into the church. <clears throat> you doing that voice reminded me that on the way home yesterday, I was listening to comedy... Uh, uh, Jeff and Larry's comedy roundup on Sirius and a Jim Brewer sketch was on. He was talking about Dave Chappelle, how they met and like how he did half uh-huh. big because he always looks stoned. Yes. And he's Brewer, like, and, absolutely. He, and he did the Dave Chappelle voice and it was there. He's like, they gave me a car. You got to teach me how to drive it. <laughs> like he was just like Thurgood magnified, oh, like, God. like Chappelle doing Rick James doing Chappelle. Oh, but it, it was great. It was tremendous. Affleck and Damon. There's two scenes in it with you them. You were bombing phantoms, yo. The one, the, the one on the bus where they're going back and forth, and Affleck turns to Damon and says, this coming from the guy who told me Crush Groove was going to be better than E.T. That, how'd that one work and out? Then he, and then, how'd that one work out? And then he shoots everybody on the bus, gets off the bus, and he, go, he, you know, he looks at him, he gives him this funny look and goes, whose house? <laughs> <laughs> Runs. I mean, my friend Ed and I will watch that, and it doesn't matter how many times we watch it. We howl every freaking time. And the conference room where they kill everybody, and <laughs> Affleck goes around the table telling everybody their sins. I can't go through them because it's not safe for the podcast. But my goodness, uh, just a tremendous movie. And Alan Rickman, uh, 69 years old, and it was cancer, right? Yeah. So Another was David one. Bowie. And David Bowie. Who I believe was also 69 years old. Wasn't he was. He? he was. So that's a little bit of bizarre synergy, I uh, guess, for lack of a better I word. I just, it, it's, you know, when. Had a little Twitter back and forth with, with our good friend Doug because he always liked I saw. the Family Guy clip of Alan Rickman's answering machine. Hello, Alan Rickman. <laughs> this is Alan Rickman reminding you to move the pork chops from the freezer to the refrigerator. <laughs> So they will defrost properly. Do not let me down. We keep going, but it's good. Kevin Pollack, uh, he was on Opie and Jimmy, and he says he, he messed with, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Alan, um, I could see his face. <sighs> Is it an actor? Yes. Alan Cumming? No, not Alan else? Cumming. He's bald. He was in uh, Sunshine. Um, he, Alan Alda? No, not Alan Alda. I, I might be drawing a blank. No, here. Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Yes, yes. And you know his voice. Yeah. You know his voice. Chicken again. <laughs> Every day. So Pollock does a dead spot on impression of Alan Arkin. I'm not going to do it any justice. 
but he calls up Arkin's home phone. He knows he's not there. Answering machine picks up and he goes, Hello, Alan? It's Alan. <laughs> he tells him, Don't forget your keys or something stupid like, Oh my God, he had me, Alan. Just Hello, tremendous. Alan. It's Alan again. Yeah. Remember that turtle joke for the party. Ha 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 ha. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about. It. We should. We can extend. Well, no, no, no. Let's. Do you it. didn't even Who get to cares? talk about your thing. Speak. But speaking of disappointments yes, and, yes. and terribleness, we should go into this and we'll close on that. All right. Since so it's about sports. Uh, it's by Extra Mustard. It's our good friend Kenny Ducey who writes for SI. He used to work for Fordham Radio. Saw him a lot at Yankee Stadium. We know Kenny. We love Kenny. We had to get him on. Yeah, it was a little short notice. Maybe next week. week. We have two shows next week. We'll get him yeah. on one of them. I'll. 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 I'll I'll send out the But we'll, we'll, we'll start it with you, and then we'll, we'll bring him in now, or next week. Uh, it start, he, he's talking about the WIAA, and uh, he says the W did they move? Did they move WrestleCade 46? Oh, no, because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> technically stands for Wisconsin, but it should really stand for whining. It's the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, and they've banned high school students from chanting certain words and phrases at basketball games. Another thing that I learned on the Opie and Jimmy show, so you do learn something every day on that show, none of them are remotely close to being hurtful or inappropriate. Now, in an email sent out to students in December, which is obtained by the Post Crescent, the WIAA banned chants by student sections directed at opponents and uh, or opponents, uh, supporters that are clearly intended to disrespect. Now, here's the following words that were banned. Fundamentals. Yeah, I, I, Fundamentals. I could see that. Siv, we can't hear you. Clap, 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 clap. Airball. You can't do that. There's a net there. Scoreboard. <laughs> Season's over. Only during tournament play. That's what, um, that, that's what they were chanting, uh, scoreboard when uh, was it Whitney Merciless sacked Alex Smith in the fourth quarter of that game and they were down yes. 30 to nothing yes and he started dancing the, the news, NFL big man dance he, off he goes on the news only came to light when high school athlete April Gill tweeted her criticism with some profane language about the rule changes she was suspended by her school by five for five games during basketball season now uh Ducey is a true hero along with Gill who he says is a true hero for bringing these rules to light in what state is a 16-year-old yelling airball considered something that's so disrespectful that it needs to be banned? How is reminding the other team that you need to improve your fundamentals a bad thing? Who even chants there's a net there anyway? Also, what if a student is tossed for chanting one of the above phrases? What are you going to do? Yell at him and he can't yell you can't do that? There are a lot of questions that need to be answered. So, Kenny Ducey, thank you, brother, for uh, putting that article out there. And let me just say... I hope his editor at SI didn't uh, edit that with a red pen, because that's also offensive. Yes, you can't use red pen in yeah. school anymore, because it, it, it hurts A++. Plus plus. Yeah. Anyway. Really? That's all... There's Come my on! Really? Did I... I know I... I think I've mentioned it before in previous podcasts, but I don't know if I've mentioned it on here or to you, but there there is slash was a rule in Connecticut high school football that if... You won a game by f more than fifty points. Your head coach was suspended for a game. Yes, for, like for, I saw like, that. For bad sportsmanship. Like really? <sighs> what are you supposed to do? Take a look, knee in the third quarter? Look, I, I had my, my my scholastic experience went from one extreme to the other. When I was in high school, my team, you know, this, the the Seymour High Wildcats were pretty good all the time. We won eight to ten games every year, depending on the year. Won a state championship when I was a freshman, and we're actually ahead by 50, 49 in the state championship game, well before this rule was enacted. And the coach put in all the freshmen because, well, why not? You know, it was a state championship game. Why not? Let them get in there. They're not going to blow a 49 point lead in three minutes. So there was that. On the other hand, I went to Temple where football in the late 90s was kind of like a line item on the athletic budget as opposed to a program. So we got. I, I can't even think of an adjective big enough to describe how bad we got beat on a regular basis. Schmaltz. Scrum tralescented. Uh, so I've seen it both ways. Like, this is high school. People mature at different rates. You have teams that are decimated by graduations that have 13-year-old freshmen playing against finely tuned 
you know, there's a there's a handful of Division One football players from Connecticut in history, and the sole determining factor of how good or bad your team is is geography. It doesn't have anything to do with the players. I mean, th- there were two kids that went to Cheshire High, the McIntosh brothers, Kyle and Ian, both went to Syracuse, both were running backs, both D1 football players. Had they grown up in Ansonia or Derby, Waterbury, anywhere other than Cheshire, that's what determined where they went to high school. Like, I mean, Regard- really? Regardless of that, this is pandering to this politically correct nonsense that this country continually put – we are putting our First Amendment right in front of a bus and having what's-her-face behind the wheel with Keanu Reeves and just plowing into it. Buck it up, buckaroos. And destroying it. Okay? Sandra Bullock. The, yes, her. This – I don't believe I couldn't remember The Wildcat. The Wildcat. Very good on your part. Um, he has to have a camera in here or something. He anyway, can see you. It's our. Uh, that was my. It's it's ridiculous. Bogus attempt. Ha, have at you seen the commercial where the the impersonation. The, the kid gets a participation trophy and the guy's limit. Yes, yeah, tremendous. Then he, then he rips off the it's thing and Kia. writes champs. Yeah, it's for Kia. You go, champ. That was a great commercial. I I commend Kia. But here's the thing. As a player, and I played in high school, and I heard that stuff. If you shoot an air ball, and they said air ball. Now, if that gets to you. As a player, which it shouldn't, it should go in one ear and out the yeah. other. But if it gets to you, that's on you. That's not on the fans chanting it. That's on you. There's two. There's, I'm sorry. There's two responses if that chant gets to you. Number one, suck it up. Exactly. Or number two, you know what? You made a bad shot. Move so on. they are taking everything out from what these kids should hear to make them tougher and stronger. It's another thing like the trophies and what you said, you know, participation awards. When they get out into the real world, guess what? This stuff exists. Now your boss isn't going to come to you from his desk and say airball if you miss like a crumbled up piece of paper in the garbage. You don't get anything. But he's going to yell at you or she's going to yell at you. If you mess up, you're going to get yelled at. You might even get fired. You have to be able to deal with adversity. This is adversity. And every, every word I mentioned, that's not, but if that get, if scoreboard gets to you, but what if the basketball court is your safe space? Oh my God. Stop enough with the safe space enough. What the hell is safe space? I agree a hundred percent. It's ridiculous, but it's another just. Tell me where your safe space is when you're at work and you're under a deadline. You have to get something done. You're going to go into your boss's office and say, I didn't have a safe space in order to get my stuff. Give me a break. I nah, just tell him the podcast ran late. Give me a break. He or she is not going to want to hear it. It's a results-driven industry wherever you go. You need results. If you don't get results, you're gone. You're out. There's no chanting. You're just gone. And these kids can't deal with it. God almighty. Somebody chants airball or fundamentals. Grow a pair. I think how awesome would it be to, to bring this a little bit lighter? How awesome would it be if somebody got fired around here and everybody got to stand around their desk and start clapping and go, get the bleep out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's not going to happen in the real it's world. It's not going to happen. But, but you're gonna, my point. You're going to deal with a lot worse things than that. Yes. All right, I, I just can't. I mean, I look at stuff like this, and I can't. So to the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, you get a big old fat red F here on the podcast this week. Plus, those people are, like, they live in Wisconsin, so that's already one strike against them because it's, like, negative 30 degrees most of the year up there and in that's, some parts of you know, Wisconsin. And I'm pretty sure Wisconsin is where the county was for making a murderer. Yeah, it is. Manitowoc. Manitowoc County. And they Poss- thought they thought the uh, possibly the only place harder to say than Oconomowoc. Yeah, Oconomowoc. I can do it though. Wow, that's a, that's cool. actually a, that's a legit place. They uh, they actually thought when they caught El Chapo that they caught the uh, youngest uh, Marx brother. <coughs> Sorry. <Boom>. Hello. <laughs> they they found that El Chapo. You know Groucho's brother. Groucho, Harpo. Chapo. I am not endearing myself to fans in Wisconsin. Chavo, Hector, Mondo, and Eddie. They're the Guerrero brothers. Viva La Rosa. And on that note, <laughs> sorry, Wisconsin.
I still love you. So next week, two thirty-minute podcasts. Love both of your these, cheese. both of these were forty-five this week. We're, we're cutting down. Oh, you're gonna have slowly. that. Yeah, you're gonna have that. But we'll shoot for thirty. We'll have a lot less of. If, uh, if you found us at twenty-six minutes and struggling to get to thirty, there'd be issues. This to me speaks volumes that we only want to do thirty and we're at fifty. Mm. So yeah, we had stuff to talk about. Good show once again, partner. Good show once again. We'll reconvene again on Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday. Because Monday is a holiday for yes. some of us. Another day ending in a Y. Yep, it's a holiday for me. I Lose. Know you, I know you're here for net. You're here for nets, right? Do you have nets on Monday? I do not. I don't have Mets. Uh, Mets. I don't have nets. I don't have Mets ever. I don't have nets until uh, the 24th. Oh, okay. Donnie Marshall. One Donnie Marshall. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I also have nets that day. Only we'll I'll be, be on the social media train. At home? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, one more thing. I, I would come in here if it wasn't conference championship day. Eric Roldan, a producer here, and who is also one of our biggest fans for this podcast, by he listens every week, and he's so happy that we're doing two a week now. Um as I was texting him back and forth because he said it was a great podcast on the Nets with Devin, and I said it was all Devin mm-hmm. and Lou, I said, uh, they're the savants and I'm the idiot. And uh, I kind of thought to myself, why don't we change the name of the podcast to Idiot Savant? I'm an idiot. You're a you're savant. savant. It's Dutch I think it makes sense. Dutch what? I think the Chris Sheeran show is out there, though. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. I was trying to compliment you, too. Thank you. Because you're Devin's good. more of the savant when it comes to basketball. Yes, than I am. but you're good at what you do. Yeah. Extremely. That's true. But anyway. <laughs> I hear the music playing. Yes. Steve, no, I don't because I'm putting it in a post. But is, it's playing. Is Steve Kaver going to take us out? No, it's just the... Don't you listen to the... Don't you even listen to our own show? I don't. I was here. I lived it. I don't either. <laughs> I, I don't either. Actually, I do because I produce it now, but when we did the Yes Men and Doug uh, was producing it, I never listened to it. I just can't listen. Do you know what know. that was from, by the way? That was a very off-the-beaten-trail movie reference. No, I figured, but... My daughters are big fans now of um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh. So when they're leaving the drive-in, uh, Google it, kids. When they're leaving... Millennials. Oh, by the way, before I say that, I saw a picture on Facebook of a stick shift. Millennial theft device. Howled. <laughs> Howled. Anyway, back to Pee Wee. Um, as he's leaving the drive in with Dottie, Dottie says to him, Pee Wee, don't you want to see the rest of the movie? No, Dottie. I lived it. Okay. I did not know that. There you go, everybody. Now the music's playing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'll put it in in post. <laughs> see you next week.